We make decisions every day, but these days those decisions, big and small, can feel paralyzing. Welcome to Deciding Factors, a new podcast from GLG. I'm your host, Eric Jaffe. Each week I'll talk to a world-class expert who has faced incredibly tough decisions and can offer unique insights to help you navigate the decisions you face. So we all know that this COVID-19 crisis is a public health crisis, but it has unleashed an economic crisis both in the U.S. and abroad. And I think it's fair to say that the U.S. government is taking unprecedented steps to respond to that crisis, which is why I'm so excited to have our guest today. Her name is Sarah Bloom Raskin. She served first as a governor on the Federal Reserve during the 2008 financial crisis and then as the Deputy Secretary of the U.S. Department of the Treasury. The two bodies that are playing such an important role in determining economic decisions in the U.S. uh, and their ramifications abroad. Really excited to hear Sarah's perspective today. Having served as the Deputy Treasury Secretary, as well as on the Governor of the Federal Reserve, given the moment that we're in, what is the kind of advice that you're providing to people these days? I never thought that these two sets of responsibilities that I've had would actually come back and become so so relevant (laughs) today in such a dramatic fashion. I think March of 2020 is going to go down as one of the most Um, extraordinarily dramatic months in terms of not just the pandemic, but in terms of uh, the economic policymaking decisions that had to get made during that month. And the number of decisions that were made under excruciating, really pressing factors is something that's going to get examined for years to come because the landscape of policymaking in the economic realm has really changed. We should definitely spend some time talking about the CARES Act, which was recently passed by Congress, $2 trillion in economic stimulus. Can you just tell us what is the CARES Act at a high level and what is the expected impact of the CARES Act? It is a primarily an economic response to the economic effects of the coronavirus. And it is multifaceted, pieces ranging from assistance to households, to assistance to small and medium-sized businesses, to assistance to larger industries that have been particularly hit hard in the pandemic. Once we've you know, gotten through COVID, what do you think could be the enduring impact of these actions? When you're putting out a fire, you don't think about the water damage. You just turn the hoses on as fast and as hard as you can and hope you will do everything within your power to actually extinguish the flames. By doing so, you're also creating consequences and and damage to what you are, in essence, trying to do as your first order concern. And I think it's kind of an apt analogy for what is happening now, because of course, policymakers are, are really turning the hoses on full blast from an economic perspective and trying to provide as much liquidity as possible to the affected sectors. There will be consequences uh, to our economy, uh, which I would venture to say is not going to look the same as it did when we uh, went into it. And some of the powers that have been given to the Fed and Treasury in particular, uh, to you know, some of the ways in which different mechanisms in our policymaking apparatus have changed, I think are all going to be up for debate and for reevaluation. 
when this is over. I think at a certain point, we're going to need to assess what has happened here. We're going to have to think about whether or not we were prepared uh, sufficiently and what we can do to prepare again so that we don't have the levels of damage and significant scarring that I think will emerge at the end of this. If you think about the design of the, the, the act itself or some of the decisions that the Fed has made, how can they actually ensure that the decisions that they're making do serve the common good? Is, is there a way to articulate that? This is a set of circumstances where there are two really important worlds that are colliding. And one is the world of health and public health, and the other is the economy. And these two worlds have now become merged and intertwined with each other. So you really can't be a policymaker uh, who is sticking in his or her silo right now. You can't really understand how to move forward if you don't understand that there are linkages between both the health side of what is happening in this pandemic and the economic side. So the first thing that I you know, try to remind policymakers is that they are there to serve the common good and to really never forget that, even in the midst of all the decision-making that has to get done, to be very clear-headed about uh, who they are serving. These are not provisions that had the chance to be deliberated. Obviously, there were no hearings. There were no debates. On this particular portion of the several bills that have come from Congress, the CARES Act being the third one. So none of those luxuries of the legislative process have been afforded to the people in this pandemic. Now, there's been, for example, some provisions that come right out of the, out of the last crisis playbook. So there are provisions that really mimic uh, the way in which Treasury and the Fed reacted during the financial crisis. But in order to be ultimately successful, of course, the money has to reach its intended recipients. That's something that Congress doesn't do. Uh, that's the executive branch. So in other words, Congress can say, yes, we, we think that households should all receive up to $1,200 by a certain day, and those, that should be a direct cash payment. And so there's an implementation piece here that we are uh, looking very closely at to make sure that what Congress has set forth in the statute is actually being implemented. And you see the same thing now today with funds uh, that have been set aside for small businesses, right? Are those funds going to actually get out the door? Could you give us a sense for what the Treasury Department's role will be in, in, in its oversight of the CARES Act? And what are the decisions that it will need to make in the upcoming days and weeks to ensure that it's carrying out its mandate? You're exactly right that the Treasury right now is carrying a very heavy burden uh, in terms of making this economic assistance, this significant assistance, right? $2 trillion, the largest fiscal package that uh, the United States has ever seen and probably the world has ever seen. You know, there's an overriding theory here, which I think is a completely sound one, which is we can achieve a quick bounce back of the economy if we stay ahead of the macroeconomic outcomes. And what I mean by that primarily is the employment side. So we know that economic 
uh, downturns last longer when people are out of work for longer. And so the overriding philosophy of the CARES Act is to provide the cash assistance and the unemployment assistance and the small business assistance, as well as the large business assistance, to keep people employed. Now, the question is, uh, will the CARES Act, in conjunction with everything the Fed is doing, be able to achieve that? And that's yet to be determined. In March alone, we saw um, 10 million initial claims for just two weeks. The numbers are really eye-boggling in terms of the unemployment side. That's going to be very hard to turn around, very hard. And that's why you also have a significant piece here of financial assistance coming through the Small Business Administration. So this idea that if you can provide forgivable loans to small businesses, you can incentivize them to hold on to employees, to not let employees go. Similarly, if you can condition uh, industry money to this idea of holding on to employees, you can somehow cushion this this major blow to the economy that comes from this massive number of unemployment and massive number of people who are facing reduced hours. Is there any teeth in the legislation to ensure that those loans would go toward protecting against layoffs? Or are we relying on the companies to take those, those kinds of actions themselves? I think there's a nice um, set of teeth <laughs> in the form of the payroll protection program, which is the roughly $349 billion package for small businesses. And here the idea is that small business would get um, loans that would be essentially forgivable. So they would turn into grants, outright grants, if the business holds on to employees or, you know, maintains a workforce commensurate with its its workforce that existed prior to the pandemic. So it's a a very, I think, a very good feature um, of that program that would provide the teeth, right? So in other words, if you want your loan forgiven, you hold on to your employees and you use those funds for, you know, not just your immediate needs, but to pay people. So the real question is going to be what kind of uptick uh, the program gets. You're attempting to put out the fire. You don't have time for the niceties of figuring out the mechanism. And as a result, you know, the law was passed and yet there's been incredible confusion about how it works. Uh, banks are confused. Small businesses are confused. There's been log jams. There's been a real challenge in terms of understanding how this works. We have yet to see how the implementation proceeds. Everything is so time sensitive. If in fact, small businesses give up, they're going to give up just by shutting their doors. I mean, they're going to say, you know, I'm done. I can't, I, I can't do this. I can't get through the website, which keeps crashing at the SBA. You know, I can't understand whether I qualify or not. I have immediate decisions to make. I can't go through all these hoops. I'm just going to do what's expedient. And that's going to be to lay off people. Is there um, a change in the way that we ought to look at some of these traditional economic indicators, given how quickly things are moving and how fast the the world is kind of changing? You know, one of the, the better things I think that the CARES Act does is it takes the notion of how unemployment assistance is provided and it expands it. 
labor markets have have changed so much in the years up to the pandemic. We, you know, have in our labor force not just people who work for firms, for businesses, but people who are self-employed, there are independent contractors. We know, of course, about the growth of the gig economy. And what the CARES Act um, does is it expands the notion of unemployment uh, insurance to include broader categories of people um, who have been affected. This is another challenge uh, because, of course, the, the unemployment insurance system is a system that is used in 50 states. Every state has its own unemployment insurance office, and some of those offices are better than others. I think we're going to see some significant bottlenecks in different states. I would argue that our mechanisms and our our systems in law really have not kept up with the need for providing for a very fragile kind of labor force, but now we're confronting it. I wonder if there's any advice based on the lessons that you learned managing the crisis in 2008, 2009, lessons that you learned that you think could be applied to how we think about and how we navigate the current crisis. The more resilient your infrastructure is um, at the government level, the better equipped you are to deal with crises of big magnitudes. There's a I think uh, an attitude that government really now needs to understand that public service is an investment rather than a liability. And you know that I think is one one lesson I certainly took coming out of the financial crisis, which by the way was, you know, as bad as that was, was nowhere near as uh, bad as what we're seeing now. I understand there is no crystal ball, but I wonder, are there specific economic indicators or variables that you would recommend watching closely for those of us who are trying to understand how it's playing out and how it's likely to play out in the future? Some of the traditional indicators are actually not being officially collected, right? So in other words, you know, you might want to rely on particular macro indicators of employment numbers, death toll numbers, of economic growth numbers. Those numbers officially are all going to be delayed in terms of being collected. If you're a policymaker or a, a, a company looking to do scenario planning, you're not going to have sort of the usual macro indicators coming out of government right now that you might have relied on before. You know, I'd be looking at the implementation of the money. Uh, is the money landing where it should be landing? And is it landing in a way that is um, incentivizing firms to hold onto their employees? Or is the money being used in other ways? For example, stock buybacks or paying dividends? How is the money being used? How will we even know if the small businesses are getting the loans and using those dollars to prevent layoffs? Eventually, what you would like to see is the demands come down on the unemployment insurance system. Now, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Policymakers actually want this money to go out the door. We, we, it's actually an economic imperative that people stay solvent, that households be able to have the means to pay their bills, their utilities, their rents, their mortgages, you know, their food, uh, their basic necessities. We need to keep people afloat in order to have the economy get to move again. 
And we would also, you know, see that the small businesses have accessed this funding and that they've been able to translate their loans into grants. Then we'll start seeing some economic growth emerge. Well, I think that's a, a great way to end uh, a fascinating conversation. So, Sarah, thank you so much for your time. And, uh, you know, please stay safe during this crisis. You too. Thanks. So that was Sarah Bloom Raskin, former Deputy Secretary of the U.S. Department of the Treasury and former Governor of the Federal Reserve. I want to thank Sarah for her insights during this unprecedented time. Sarah told us that March 2020 will likely go down as an extraordinarily dramatic month in terms of both the pandemic as well as the economic policy that we've developed in response. She pointed out that while policymakers are working hard to contend with the pandemic during these tough times, whatever they do will have enduring impact. When you're attempting to put out a fire, she said, you don't think about the water damage. The current push to bring liquidity to business and protect employees will have enduring consequences for the economy, and some of those consequences may not be positive. And a silver lining and learning that she pointed out from the moment is that public service should not be considered a liability, but rather an investment. We're relying on our economic and public health system to steer us through this crisis, to protect us, and to keep as many of us employed as possible. We hope you'll join us next week for a brand new episode of Deciding Factors. In the meantime, feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. Or email us at decidingfactors at glgroup.com if you have feedback or ideas for future show topics. For Deciding Factors in GLG, I'm Eric Jaffe. Stay safe out there and thanks for listening.